Let's open our Bibles, please, to the book of Luke, Gospel of Luke, the 22nd chapter. And we want to preach on Peter's downfall. Peter's downfall. I want to read a couple of verses, and then we'll come back and read the context right before it. In Luke 22, verse 31, if you will, Luke 22, verse 31, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan had desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. He warned Simon of a coming trial that Satan was going to bring about, that he might sift him as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. The background of this passage of Scripture, if you'll drop back to verse 24, and before we read verse 24, let me say that Jesus had in the 18th chapter told them that he was going to be taken and delivered up to the Gentiles. They were going to treat him with all the scourging and spitting and buffeting and so on. And he was going to be scourged. He was going to be put to death. He'd already told them of a coming death. But I want you to notice in verse 24, and there were there was also a strife among them which, which of them should be accounted the greatest. You know, this is an ideal environment for Satan to work. And he's going to work on Peter in just a moment when we see what happens. And he said unto them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority on them are called benefactors. But he says, But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he that is chief as he that doth serve. Dignity and preeminence carry obligations to serve. And he says, the one that's great among you and chief among you, I want him to be the one that will serve. And then he says, for whether it's greater, he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth. Is not he that sitteth at meat? And then he says, but I am among you as he that serveth. So in Christ's kingdom, power is to be used to help others. And not to glorify oneself. It's not for self-glory that God gives us strength and power and and uh, the ability to be one of His servants. But He says we're to be servants. He says, "You are they; ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations." He recommends them for uh, throughout the previous days of and walking with Jesus of all the things that He had gone through. And he says, And I appoint unto you a kingdom, as my Father hath appointed unto me. They had a kingdom. That you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and sit on the throne, on thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And then he goes on to single out Simon. And the Lord said unto Simon, said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. Uh, when he says, Satan has desired to have you. The word is plural in the original. But he says in verse 32, But I have prayed for thee. And it it specifically means Peter among all the others. That thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. We want to talk about Peter's downfall. The background we've already mentioned. Strife among them. Who should be the greatest? And we said it's a good environment for Satan to work. But Jesus had prayed for Peter. And he says, he used his old name, Simon. He doesn't say Peter. And this is reminding him of his human weakness, that original name. Reminding him of the fact that he was 
a sinful person by nature. You know, he gave him a new name. He says, from this time forward, you're going to be called Peter. You're like a rock. But also, he repeated it. Simon, Simon. And I wonder if this possibly might be to emphasize love and at the same time a warning. Simon, Simon. Have you ever heard mothers and dads, mothers especially, call their children? And they'll call that double name. And the first one is, you know, get their attention. I love you. But, and then that second one is maybe warning them. Maybe Jesus was using it that way. I don't know. But at least it's a repeated name. We find that repeated name many times in the Bible. I have a message on that. He says, Abraham, Abraham. He says, Moses, Moses. And Samuel, Samuel. And there are several places in the Bible that that double name is used. And it always uh, has a meaning of depth. And here it was because of the temptation that he was about to, to go through. And I want us to notice seven steps in Peter's downfall and his restoration. He not only had a downfall, but he had a restoration. And that's what Jesus said here. He says, The Lord said unto Simon, said, Simon, Simon, Behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, when, you, when the strength comes back to you, when things are changed, doesn't mean he was converted as to salvation. He had been saved a long time. And walked with Jesus for three years, three and a half. And uh, he knew very well the Lord. He was one of the three in the innermost circle. Peter, James, and John were close to Jesus, very close. But he says, I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. So we're going to see not only his uh, fall, but his restoration. First of all, I want you to look at verse 33. He said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee. Both to prison and to death. Both to prison and to death. He was always very rash, presumptuous, impulsive in what he would say. Peter was the kind that would just speak out without thinking. We want to think of his boasting self-confidence. I'm ready to go with thee to prison and to death. His vanity. In Matthew 26, verse 33, he said, Though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never, he says, I will never, never say never, never be offended. That's Matthew 26, 33. Matthew 26, 35, Peter said unto him, Though all, all, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. So he said, I will never be offended, I will never deny thee. So this is his self-confidence. He had confidence in his flesh. And by the way, it says, likewise said all the disciples. We point out Peter because he was the spokesman, but the rest of them felt the same way. So when we single him out, we better include ourselves, hadn't we? Because we're capable of the same errors that he made. Peter was trusting in his own heart. And Proverbs 28, verse 26 says, He that that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. I appreciated all the songs that we had today, the specials, everything... Uh, indicated uh, it fell right in with my text. Uh, Brother Donald, each step I take, we have to trust the Lord, don't we? There's a scripture that says, Order my steps in thy word, and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. And then Curtis and Melcina sang that song about uh, our weakness and our need to have the Lord to help us along the way. And then uh, Ron and Sharon sang the one to show us that we need the Lord every day and to have a closer walk with the Lord. So, 
We, we need all of these things in our favor, but sometimes we do not recognize that need and we become boastful like Peter and trust in our own heart. He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. And it says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Sometimes we fail to realize that we need to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. And it says, And lean not to thine own understanding. Peter's own understanding was not sufficient. He thought he understood his own strength and power and ability and able to do what he wanted to do. I'm sure he meant well. A lot of times we mean well, but by the grace of God we can do what we do. We don't do it because uh, of any thing that we have in ourselves. You say, well, you have to have enthusiasm, you have to have determination, you have to have conviction. That's true. But we still have to depend upon the Lord for strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul said in another place that we have no confidence in the flesh. Philippians 3 verse 3. Sometimes we put too much confidence in the flesh. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12 says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We have the warning in God's Word that we're not capable of doing everything we want to do without the Lord's power and without His guidance. Jesus said, Without me you can do nothing. John 15 verse 5. And Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, Not by my nor by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord. So the first thing that he did was boast in himself. He said, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. He says, I will never forsake you. He said, though all men would fail you, I will not deny you. Let's never be too confident in ourselves without God. We can be very confident if we know we're in God's power and God's God's will and trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. He says, In all our ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. That's back in the Proverbs again. We don't, what we labor and do, unless the Lord's in it, it's in vain. Psalm 127, verse 1 says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. So we can't leave Him out of the, out of the loop as some would say today. He must be not only in it, but the one that directs the whole whole uh, bit of our service and our lives. We sing a song, I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. There's not an hour that goes by. There's not a moment that goes by. Not a day that goes by. That we do not need the Lord and need His help. Preachers especially, we always need God's help when we're trying to preach the Word. Peter should have had his confidence in the Word of the Lord. You know, Jesus told him what was going to happen. And in the prayer of Jesus, Jesus prayed. He said, that thy faith fail not. That's what he was praying for. We're to not be high-minded, but fear. And let's cry, hold me up, O Lord, and I shall be safe. We need to remember that we have an intercessor that prays for tempted souls. He prayed for Peter while he was on this earth. Do you and I believe that Jesus prays for us in heaven? He's our intercessor, is He not? The Bible says we have a great high priest seated on the right hand of God who also maketh intercession for us. He makes intercession for us. And He should have had His confidence in the Lord and in the Word of the Lord and in the prayer of Jesus. He says that thy faith fail not. His flesh did fail, but His faith did not because it brought Him back. You know, you might hinder faith, put obstacles in the way of faith, 
But you're not going to destroy it if it's truly there. And Jesus knew that and he prayed for it. So, self-confidence, the first step in backsliding, and we'll call that Peter's downfall or backsliding, is that he says, I'm ready to go with thee. If you have Luke 22, follow on down. I'll give you some points as we go along. In Luke 22, verse 33, is the self-confidence. He said unto him, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. I want you to get the next point. Sleeping in prayer. Sleeping in the garden while uh, Jesus was praying. Lack of prayer. Look down at verse 40. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn. You have verse 41. He was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat worth was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he rose up from prayer, he was come to his disciples. He found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. So we find not only Peter, James, and John that had gone a little further with him into the garden. He was sleeping in the garden. Mark 14, verse 37. Let me read this uh, verse for you. And 38. 14 in Mark. Verse 37 and 38. It says, And he cometh and findeth them sleeping. Now listen. And saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Couldest not thou watch one hour? Watch ye and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. The spirit truly is ready, but the flesh is weak. He told Peter, especially, to watch one hour. Couldn't you watch just one hour? Here's his second mistake, was lack of prayer. And, uh, you know, our downfall will be the same as Peter's if we follow these same things that we'll point out about Peter's downfall. First of all, if we have too much confidence in ourselves and not enough confidence in God. If we have more trust in ourselves and in the flesh than we do in what God can do in and through us, we'll find that that's the first step of downfall. And then when we become weak in prayer, sleeping in the garden, the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. What blessings we miss when we fail to pray. What opportunity for service when we fail to pray. Can you imagine Peter at some future time thinking about his fall and thinking, couldn't I just give the Lord one hour of alertness and of my support in his time of great agony because he was in great agony, his soul was heavy. He says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. When you read it in Matthew's Gospel, I believe the 26th chapter, let me read the in Gethsemane when he said this. Uh, Matthew 26, verse 36. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto his disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that would be James and John, and began to be very, to be sorrowful and very heavy, very heavy. Then said he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful, even unto death. Tarry ye here and watch with me. And he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou will. And he cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep and saith unto Peter, What could ye not watch with me one hour? He said it also in Mark's Gospel. Opportunity. What an opportunity to... 
bear with Jesus the burden in agony. You know, sometimes you and I have an opportunity to serve the Lord, and it, when it's gone, we'll never have that same opportunity again. Can you imagine in the future time of Peter's life, him recalling this incident and saying, I wish I could have been more faithful to the Lord at that time. I wish I could have uh, stayed awake and prayed with Him and helped Him to... See, they were concerned... Remember, right before this happened, they were concerned only about their own prestige and their own honor and their own position. Are we concerned about our own position or about the position of the Lord? Are we concerned about our own hurt or about the hurt of Jesus? He was in agony. He was more concerned about them. He says, I provided for you a place in my kingdom. He says, I'm, I'm thankful that you've been with me during my temptations. His life of service. That was all in the introduction. But... Here, when the test comes, weak in prayer, what an opportunity for service. But it was a lost opportunity now. Paul said, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Jesus said that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Luke 18, verse 1. The word faint means to fold up or cave in or give in in despair. We need to make prayer our companion. Paul says, pray without ceasing. We need to remember also that the flesh is weak. And then some in the Old Testament, like David and Daniel made prayer a habit. Morning, noon, and evening, David said, Will I lift up my voice? Will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice? Psalm 55, verse 17. Peter needed to remember most of all that Jesus had prayed for him. Jesus prays for us. He has prayed for us. He prayed for us while he was upon this earth. And he prays for us now in heaven. He prayed for us in the 17th chapter of John where he says, He's praying for all those. He said, I don't pray for these alone that you've given me. And this 17th of John is Christ's great high priestly prayer. But he says, I pray for all those that will believe through their word. All believers. And he says, Father, I will that all those whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. If I didn't believe anything else about security, I would believe that, that that's secure, because Jesus said, I pray that all of them, all of those that you've given me will be with me in heaven. Someone says, are you going to make it? Well, Jesus' prayer is going to be answered, isn't it? Thou hearest him always. And so... That is a very much assurance for us. So Jesus prayed for Simon. He prays for us. And He has prayed for us. And He prays for me now. I'm thankful for the intercession of Jesus on the right hand of God. And then the third thing I want you to notice is that Peter followed afar off. Look down in verse 54. Well, let's read verse 53. When I was daily with you in the temple, you stretched forth no hands against me. This is when uh, Jesus met with all this opposition. But this is your hour and the power of darkness, the power of darkness, of ignorance, of ignorance respecting divine things and human duties and their accompanying ungodliness and immorality together with a misery, consequent misery that would be to follow. But he says in verse 54, now here's Peter following afar off. Then they, then took they him and led him and brought him to the High priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. They led Jesus. Remember, he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. He was led. They led him away. They led him again when they took him to the cross. And led him. And brought him into the house. Into the high priest's house. And Peter followed afar off. He was not only afar off physically, trying to stay at a distance from Jesus. Afar off is already a half-hearted denial. 
It's not long after this till the denials take place. When we are afraid to be close to Jesus and say, well, I, I want to distance myself from the Lord. That's backsliding. That's a far off. A far off he was physically and he was a far off spiritually. Following Jesus, but a broken fellowship at a physical distance and also at a spiritual distance. We need to stay close. The song, just a closer walk with thee. My house sometimes even during the day, day by day, it doesn't make any difference who you are. Deacons, preachers, Sunday school teachers, all of us have the need of this closeness. And we get at a distance instead of staying close. And we should have a desire to be close. I remember Dr. Lakin one time telling about losing his son in an automobile accident. I believe it was an automobile accident. Anyway, he did lose his son. And he and his wife were grieving so. And... uh he considered it maybe the Lord was just chastening him through this loss. But to make a long story short, he told his wife, he says, Honey, this is now a time that we can either draw real close to the Lord or get away from God. And he said he reminded of his mother, said she was a large lady, said when he was a little boy that, that when he'd do something wrong, that uh, she'd get the switch and she'd start to whip him, you know, spank him, correct him for it. And she, he said, I noticed always that if I stood out there a little way, she got a good switch on me. But the closer I got to her, the less she could hit me. <laughs> and you know, we need to get close to the Lord. And the closer we get, the better off we are in the whole situation. And so, we need to we sing a song, just a closer walk with thee. That's what Ron and Sharon sang. We cannot afford to be far off. From Jesus, And then the fourth thing I want you to notice. He not only boasted in his self-confidence, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee. He not only fell asleep there in the garden when he had opportunity to watch one hour, but another thing, he followed afar off. The next thing is, he sat down among the enemies, Christ's enemies, by the fire. Peter was found to be in the wrong company. Look at verse 55. And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall and were set down together, Peter sat down among them. Among them. He accepts the hospitality of the wrong crowd. You say, well, it was cold. Yes, it was when he came out. He was found in the wrong company. And you know, falling afar off, a lot of times will lead to mingling with the ungodly and with the wrong people and joining with them in their unholy mirth. Psalm 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man that, look, look at the steps, walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Walking, standing, sitting. You become real comfortable. Walking, yes, that's not so bad. I can get away any time I want. Standing with them, he stood with them. And we'll give you that scripture in just a moment. And then he sat down among them. It says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. It's obvious by the context that Peter was walking with them. And then Peter stood with them. In John 18, verse 18, it says, Peter stood with them and warmed himself. Luke 22, verse 55 says, He sat down among them, closer together, colleagues, with them. One of the biggest mistakes of folks today is bad company. 
and bad influence. Be careful of the friends you choose and stay with those that will build you up and help you as a Christian. And don't get with those that would tear you down and, and uh, ruin your testimony. Don't walk with the wrong crowd. We're warned against it in the Word of God. Proverbs 4 verse 14 says, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Proverbs 4, let me read this for you. Verse 14, Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it, pass uh, not by it, turn from it, and pass away. For they, they sleep not except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as a shining light that shineth more and more into the perfect day. If that doesn't show us what kind of company we should keep, enter not into the path of the wicked. We're warned, are we not? And we're known by the company we keep. We used to say, birds of what? A feather flock together. Be careful of what kind of company you keep in your social life. Be sure that you, you know, the Bible says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Paul said, and he says, come out from among them and be you separate, said the Lord. You say, well, God's people supposed to be separate? Well, how are we going to win, how are we going to witness to people if we uh, do not get out among uh, the crowd and with the crowd? It's not talking about not witnessing to people that need to hear the message. It's talking about being in companionship with them day by day and doing the things they do and living like they live. That's what it's talking about. Because they can be a bad influence and they are a bad influence upon you. And we need to remember that we need to have Christian friends, Christian brothers and sisters. You know, sometimes you go out to eat and you'll go out with someone. And uh, if you go out with a Christian people, you know, you sit down at the table, K-Bob's or Cattle Baron or wherever. And you ask the blessing on the food for the food. Thank God for it. You go out with some people and brother, they dive in before you can say a word. Because it's, it's, they're different people. You say, well, you know, I thank God for it even though I just sit down. Well, that's fine. Everyone's personal way of thanking God is his business. I'm not saying that you have to make a spectacle of yourself in anything. But I am saying that the crowd you keep sometimes alters the way you live and how you respond in the things of God. And so we better be careful about what kind of company we keep. And now let's notice his downfall is denial. Look here in verse 56. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. said, This man, Peter, he was also with him. And you know, he denies the Lord not just once, but three times like Jesus predicted. The first, the, this is the fruit of self-confidence, and it's Christ's denial. The maid. And do you know she's the one that let Peter in at the, re, at the request of John in the 18th chapter, verse 17. She recognized him when he came in. And you know, Christ is always denied when pride is on the throne of our heart. You and I deny the Lord in many ways when pride reigns in our heart. Let's not be too hard on Peter, for we also live in glass houses. Someone says, I don't do that. Our flesh is also weak. We deny sometimes by our lack of, of church attendance. Someone sees you on Sunday running around town, you, they say, I thought you went to church. Well, you know, today I had 
And you start making an excuse why you're not in the house of God. And even though they may not go, they expect you to go. And it's a witness to, it, it's a witness to them when you attend the house of God. And if you let them know that uh, if they've got something planned, say, no, I, I plan on attending church tomorrow. You know, Saturday comes up and the question comes up. No, I, I don't believe I can do that because I won't attend the house of God. Or witnessing. Do you take the opportunity of witnessing? How about your giving, your tithing, your serving, however you serve? I want you to look at verse 61. Well, let me go ahead and read down to it. Uh, we read verse 57. Uh, verse 58, And after a little while another saw him and said, Thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I'm not. And about the space of one hour after, another confidently affirmed, saying, of a truth, this fellow also was with him. Notice the word, with him. For he is a Galilean. And Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. The Bible tells us in another gospel that he cursed bitterly. And he even got to the place he was using bad language in denying the Lord. I mean, he, he got pretty riled up about this thing, didn't he? And yet he was denying the Lord. And all this was coming. It was his... Confidence, self-confidence coming home to roost. When the cock crew, he realized what had happened. And, it, and in verse uh, 61, we're going to find his restoration. What really happened? It says in verse 61, And the Lord turned and, and looked upon Peter. He was coming out of the judgment hall. He looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. The Lord looked upon Peter. Jesus' look was a loving look, I believe, and a searching look. And he had pity and mercy. And it was a heart-melting look. It wasn't as if he said, uh, I told you so. It was a look of compassion. Poor Peter, trusting in himself. Didn't realize that I promised that he was going through this trial, but I would be with him. And I prayed for him. It was a convincing look. It was a chiding look. Peter, Peter why didn't you believe? what I said, and act upon it. It was a directing look. It was very significant. And it signified a conveying of grace to Peter's heart. The Lord came out of the judgment hall and He turned and looked upon Peter. When Jesus looks upon us, He doesn't say, I told you so. But His presence will remind us that He did tell us. He did warn us. His presence will remind us that He did pray. His presence will remind us that He does know about us and our weakness. And that's why He does pray. And it says, what, what's the next thing in His restoration? The Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And P Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how He said unto him, Before the cock crow thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I believe that these were tears of true repentance. And they also expressed a feeling of renewed love. Lord, I know now that even in spite of my faults and failures, you still love me. He had a new source of strength. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. His flesh did fail, but his faith did not fail. Peter's eyes were filled with bitter tears of sorrow and penitence. Peter remembered his downfall. He was thinking, he was thinking how could this happen to me? Have you ever heard people say, well, why did this have to happen to me? He remembered Christ's love and Christ's warning and Christ's prayer and His Word. And Peter's restoration would be well qualified to strengthen the brethren. You know, when you try to strengthen someone, 
And they say, well, have you ever gone through this? And if you can say to the brother or sister, I really have. I've gone through this. Then they can identify with you a little bit better. And you're better able to strengthen them. Have you ever heard people say, I thoroughly understand. If you've never been there, you don't thoroughly understand. But when you've been there, you understand. And that's why I suppose in the providence of God, Jesus permitted Peter to go through this sifting. The devil's sifter, if you want to call it. Get rid of the chaff and the wheat remains. You know, the devil's purpose was to destroy the wheat and leave the chaff. But it backfired on him as in the death of Christ. The wheat remained... As far as Peter was concerned, then the shaft was destroyed. As far as Jesus' death on the cross is concerned, the devil thought he, he was having a heyday. Now I've gotten rid of this fellow, you know. But it says that Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that through death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So it backfired on him as far as Christ's death was concerned. Peter's restoration, we said, he would be well qualified to strengthen the brethren. He would know the bitterness of, of denying the Lord. He could testify as to the weakness of the flesh. There's a lot of thing, things that happen. He could witness to the power and the prayer of Jesus. He could speak about the love of Jesus to those who had gone astray. Peter also could tell them of the joy of restoration. The experience of his downfall and his restoration. It seems to be that he has these in mind in his uh, epistles when he tells of the fact that, you know, he tells to gird up your loins. He tells us to, to be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He knew by experience what was capable of. And he knew that even it teaches us this lesson, that though a man may greatly fall, there can be restoration. And he did greatly fall away from the Lord. And there's great restoration. All we have to do is remember that we remember what? The warnings of Jesus. We remember the words of Jesus. We remember the love of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus. The forgiveness that He had for Peter. The restoration that He had. And if you study in the book of Acts, you'll find on the day of Pentecost that Peter was a powerful preacher of the Word and he had recovered from all this fall and the Lord greatly used him as well as all the other apostles in the book of Acts. Don't think that you've fallen so far that God can't lift you up and restore you to a place where you can be of service. So I think there's a warning in this. There's a message in this. There's a lesson in this. The last part of it is that how, however great the fall doesn't mean it's too far for the Lord to restore us to a place of fellowship and of service. And I believe that there are sometimes people get away from the Lord and backslide for various reasons, some of the, which we've named about Peter. But whatever be the situation, the circumstance, you need to repent and turn back to God and ask Him to use you.